fucking gobshite. Brendel sighed, removed his glasses, and rubbed his eyeballs. I'm perfectly aware you don't want to be here, Kennedy. I'm also aware that you, uh, preferred Dr. Schlesinger. The bastard, Kennedy noticed, even allowed himself a little smile here. And I'm also very conscious of Freud's maxim that there are no people more impervious to psychoanalysis than the Irish. However, as you have no choice, wouldn't it be an idea to try and obtain something from the experience? To try and understand why you're here? It seems to me... Kennedy drifted off. He had another meeting to go to after this at his manager's office. Two meetings in one day. How on earth had he allowed this hell to be scheduled? He looked at the wall behind Brendel, at the framed diplomas and citations. Why was he here? He felt it was hard to answer this more simply than with R.P. McMurphy's response to the same question. As near as I can figure out, it's cause I fight and fuck too much. A couple of months back, in the spring, happy hour at the powerhouse just off Hollywood Boulevard, a regular fertile hunting ground where Kennedy had been enjoying his fifth or sixth Long Island iced tea of the evening. He'd got talking to a woman at the bar, in her early thirties, not unattractive, looked like she knew how to work a cock, so to speak, and it turned out she'd vaguely heard of him. She'd heard of one of his books, and had certainly heard of some of the movies he'd worked on. As they tended to when you were writing a novel, one sentence led to another, and pretty soon Kennedy had his hand jammed inside her blouse— her hands in his thick black hair in a booth in the back corner near the pool table. Low orange light, the stooges on the jukebox, their teeth mashing together, and a nipple tautening pleasingly between his thumb and index finger when he heard the words, Hey, what the fuck? quickly followed by, Oh shit! from the owner of the nipple. And the guy, this B.A.W., Boyfriend, asshole, whatever. Wasn't bad, Kennedy had to admit later. He didn't instantly swing a wild, badly aimed punch like so many would have done, or start the trash talking, giving his opponent valuable seconds to get to their feet. No. He simply reached across the table, grabbed Kennedy by the lapels, the lapels of a very nice suit from Jeeves and Hawks of Number One Savile Row, as a matter of fact, and tore him out of the booth. Which was when Kennedy realized exactly how very big the fellow was. He wore some sort of mechanic's outfit with the name Todd stitched above the breast pocket. This Todd held Kennedy up, Kennedy's feet cartoon bicycling in the air and held him close to his empurpling face. And it was a useful face, this, no question, latticed with acne, a broad, trenched forehead, bulbous nose dotted with broken blood vessels, but the eyes hard and clear. He started to say, What the fuck do you think you're...
which was a mistake, because it gave Kennedy a moment to think. With pub fighting, as in all the creative arts, it was crucial to avoid cliché. You had to come at it from strange angles and oblique perspectives. Your opening had to be strong and unexpected. Then, scene by scene, you had to make your point quickly and get the fuck out of there. In this last respect, pub fighting was very much like the bitch Kennedy had betrayed the novel for. It was like screenwriting where economy was king. So, while Todd tore on into the words, "'Doin' with my fucking girlfriend!' Kennedy cast his opening sentence. He clamped his hands around the back of the guy's head, lunged forward, and sank his teeth into the luscious strawberry of his nose.